motion. Brian Robinson in the backfield. Terry and Deami Brown to the right. Hal steps back, surveys. Now escapes to the left. Gets to the 10. Now stops. Throws back towards the three. End zone. Caught. Brian Robinson. Touchdown. Touchdown, Washington. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. That was the call from Bram Weinstein on the Commander's Radio Network as Sam Howell found Brian Robinson Jr. to go up 7 nothing as the Commanders would go on to be victorious 20-16. to I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on a Victory Monday in Richmond, Virginia, broadcasting live from Capitol Alehouse here in Innsbruck. You can come on by, check out the show, take an extended lunch break. It's Monday. You deserve it. As we recap Saturday's college football games, NFL Sunday, and get you guys excited for Monday night football. It's a good one. Bills against the Jets. But right now, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. You could be the quarterback of this segment. It's time for the Richmond Commander. It's time for the Richmond Commander. The phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. 833-804-0910. Question of the day on the Richmond Commander. What did you make of the welcome home game that was a 20-16 four-point victory for the good guys, 833-804-0910. Let's go to line one. We've got Frank in Mechanicsville. Frank, you're on the fan. Hey, Wall. What's up, man? Happy Victory Monday, Frank. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Um, yeah, a couple of notes from, from yesterday. One, the FedEx field looked like it, what it's supposed to look like. Fans were back. I loved seeing all the alumni. Um, it was really cool to see all these former skins come back and support the organization again. And I do think that that home field advantage actually played a part in this game where in years past uh, we would have lost because there's more uh, opponents in the stands than actual home fans. Uh, you know, the offensive struggles, I kind of expected were to happen. I don't think it's going to happen overnight. Sam needs some time to, to learn this offense and, and get that experience as a starter. Um, like you guys were saying, you know, he, he rushed the ball a couple times. He made some bad throws. He, his pocket awareness was really – poor at times, but he also see those flashes of those nice uh, balls that he could squeeze in the tight spots, um, his running ability. And then lastly, uh, thank God our defense played the way they did. You know, Montez showed the commanders that he's the guy that's supposed to be paid, not Chase Young. As far as I'm concerned, he can walk and go play for somebody else. You got Chase, uh, you got uh, Montez on the end, and then you got John Allen and Deron Payne showing showing everybody that those first-round picks are worth something, and hopefully our defense can, can hold on to these next couple of games and, and give us a fighting chance as this offense continues to figure their uh, their problems out. Yeah, Frank, I mean, the defense, they stole that victory from the Cardinals. Got to give them a ton of credit. Uh, let me hear more about your Sam Howell thought, and I know we want to keep it positive here, but did you see enough from Sam that you have confidence he can win nine or ten games? Because I will say I saw enough good throws where I think he can clean up the mistakes – and I'm still excited about the Sam Howell experience. I saw enough with those big throws, especially that one drive before the end of the half there, where he can whip it around the field. The mistakes are going to happen. He's young. But I still have confidence in Sam Howell. No, absolutely. I wouldn't say eight or nine wins. I'd say maybe six or seven. I, 
you know, that one call that called in and said it's the same exact thing we saw from Heineke last year. Yes, that's his floor. I think his ceiling is a lot better than Heineke. His arm is amazing. He, he does have that, that running ability. I think it just, like I said, he needs time. I, I, I'm a little scared every time he starts running, uh, especially after he got smacked on the sideline there on an out-of-bounds out of hit. Um, but I think it's a six, seven win team with him at the quarterback. And I think he, he has the ability to show everybody that he can do this professionally and maybe solve our quarterback position in time. I just, I hope that Ron stays patient and just doesn't blindly pull him and put in Jacoby Brissett. Cause I think Jacoby Brissett's going to give you the same kind of offensive production that, that how will. Yeah, Frank, good call, man. I, and that was a great point. You know, I, I did get a little scared when he was running the ball because they they knocked his helmet off, right? They almost knocked him out of the game. It felt like they were headhunting. Um, but here's what I will say, all right? Last year, when Taylor Heineke threw the ball, there were times where I was scared. When, when I kind of was like, oh, I don't know if I want to see this pass. Is it going to be intercepted? There were a lot of interceptable balls. I was scared when Sam Howell ran. I had so much confidence when he threw the ball. I mean, that thing just whips out of his arm, uh, and uh, and it's accurate. And so I thought that uh, he looked really good um, just throwing the ball around the field. Good call, Frank. Want to keep it rolling here on AWOD Radio. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. And joining us right now on the Hadeen Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline of the Burgundy Zone Podcast, it's Kyle Roenick. What's going on, Kyle? It's a victory Monday. Adam, I am so happy that we're able to be here today and not have to deal with a loss against the Arizona Cardinals, for one. Yep, absolutely. So let me hear your takeaways from the defensive side of the ball. We've been talking a lot about Sam Howell, but the defense was dominant. The defense was absolutely dominant. They held the Cardinals on offense on third downs, 4 for 14, 0 for 2 in the red zone, the bend but don't break defense. They only allowed nine points in this game they did exactly what we wanted them to do to be honest it was nine points more than I would have been okay with but I gained a lot of respect for Joshua Dobbs and this Arizona Cardinals uh, offense because the offensive line at first was giving our defensive line no rush whatsoever and then towards the end of that game you saw our defensive line kind of take over in a talent standpoint and that's where I gained a lot of respect for Arizona but they only gave up nine points it was a stellar performance by them Cameron Curl leading the team in tackles with 10, and then one tackle for loss and a pass deflection should have had the pick in the uh, end zone there. But overall, Montez Sweat, I mean, really doing – I put on Twitter, somebody needed to make a play at that point, and that's exactly what Montez did. He didn't do it just once. He did it twice, too, for this football team, and those turnovers were crucial for us. Yeah, and you know what? I was also – Pleasantly surprised with the secondary. I mean, Kendall Fuller made a few plays, got a couple tackles, uh, you know, had one big uh, pass breakup there. You had Cam Curl making a ton of plays, led the team in tackles. Emmanuel Forbes uh, looked the part. Benjamin St. Juice uh, looked solid. Give me your thoughts on the secondary. The secondary, I thought, really did well. Dobbs did not pressure them whatsoever. He tried once deep, but Kendall was all over that DB, and the wide receiver tried to make a good play on it. But it wasn't like they were really testing them. And then that last play of the game, the fourth down that they were trying to convert to try to possibly win that football game, Emmanuel Forbes runs the route for the wide receiver. And, yes, he didn't catch it. But to me, it was almost like he was surprised that they threw it to him because they hadn't tested him all game. And he ran the route for the wide receiver. And it was almost like he was surprised that it hit his hand. But that being said, from this point forward, we need more turnovers because we see how crucial it can be in these situations. 
for this defense to give the ball back to the offense with these short fields, they obviously make a lot to do with that what the offense does and being able to create points. And that's what they need because sometimes they will go into these lulls with it, with it being a young offense, and that turnovers are crucial for them. So the secondary has to be big this year. And I think Cam Curl is going to be consistent in those turnovers. I think this is his year. He hasn't got many over his career. He's been licking his chops at opportunity. And you saw yesterday at the, at the game, he was running off that field very pissed off he didn't catch that football. Welcome back. Sorry about that. Technical difficulty last segment. Amir here at Capital Ale House in Innsbruck. Come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show. We've got the Comrex plugged back in here. We've got some juice. we got some life. And we're talking about a commander's win here on a Victory Monday. And joining us once again from the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline from the Burgundy Zone podcast, it's Kyle Roenick. Sorry about that, Kyle. Thanks for sticking with us. Absolutely. I'm not sure where I left off, brother, but we were talking defense, and I'm glad that we were able to uh, finish that off with talking about John Allen and Cam Curl. Yeah, man. So, um, Antonio Gibson, look, we want to keep it positive here, but we are all aware that this fumble issue is something that has been an issue of his since he came into the league. So, how do we use Antonio Gibson moving forward? What do we do? I think that he's probably going to be sitting around that third down back uh, using those passing situations. Um, That was infuriating yesterday. It took a lot of momentum, uh, took a lot of air out of this offense when he fumbled in the red zone. And it it seems like when Antonio Gibson fumbles, it doesn't do it a lot because last season he didn't fumble, but obviously we know that from two seasons ago. But when he does fumble, it's in the worst situations possible. And for this offense, being in the red zone, kind of gaining that momentum, trying to make something happen, then that fumble happens, and it takes all of the momentum away. And now you have to go back to what you were last year and hoping that the defense makes a play for you. And thankfully, Montez Sweat and company made that happen multiple times for this offense to be able to get back in that football game. It's Kyle Roenick with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Uh, continuing offensively for the commanders here, that side of the ball, Curtis Samuel, five receptions, 54 yards, a long of 32, in which Sam Howe threw an absolute rocket, a laser beam, right into Curtis Samuel's chest. He catches it, runs forward. Uh, also, one run for six yards. I thought he was going to be my X factor this season. Everyone uh, told me I was wrong. They said, no, it'll be De'Ami Brown more uh, involved. No, Jahan Dotson's going to be a star this year. Curtis is just such a weapon that a great offensive line, mind like Eric Bieniemy is going to find a way to get him the ball. Yeah, and I, honestly, with Sam Howell, I would give his performance a C minus, but I would bump it up to a C specifically for that throw to Curtis Samuel in that mm-hmm. fourth quarter. A that was such a beautiful throw, and it was perfectly placed. Like you said, it even gave Curtis Samuel the ability to run upfield and the angle that it was delivered to him. Which is when you talk about throwing to the sideline at that length, usually that's not the case, right? They usually just go out of bounds. Which is a phenomenal throw, and obviously he he caught all five targets that were thrown to him, and you couldn't say the same about the others. Curtis Samuel was the X factor yesterday in really helping this football team get in position to win. We were like, I started uh, Jahan Dotson and McLaurin in my fantasy teams on my flex spots, and uh, I thought that that was going to pay dividends. And it really shows you it doesn't matter with this offense. They're going to go where the, uh, the defense is allowing them to go with, and that's where Curtis Samuel was able to flourish because obviously they were not allowing anything deep and everything was going to have to be short. So the, the fact was that Curtis Samuel catching those footballs and being able to extend the chains in those crucial situations 
to your point, Awad, that is the X factor, and that goes back to what he was doing last season where all of his catches were very important and he was sure-handed in those situations. Kyle, look, we got the win. It was ugly, but, you know, a win is a win. Uh, what was your vantage point? Where were you watching the game, man? We were in Section 305. Uh, we got poured on. We never left our seats uh, during the rain. I know a lot of Washington fans did not either, uh, but that was a spectacular experience. Going from the tailgate to the game, obviously the game could have went a lot better, but just from a fan experience, it, it was like heaven, man. I mean, the tailgate was such a great time. Everybody was handing out drinks. Everyone was eating, just giving out food, and it was a celebration. It was a big party, and that's what it felt like. And going into that game, I really felt there was no way that we were going to lose it. And the fact that they were able to pull it out in the end, even I was very frustrated during the game because I felt that like we should have been behind. But we did win. It just put the exclamation point on that day to say that Washington is back. We were a sleeping giant, we're awake now, and we're ready to make some noise. I hope everyone comes out for the Buffalo game because Buffalo Bills fans, they travel a wide. I know you know that very well. And I want that stadium to be filled with burgundy and gold because that's all I saw. There was barely any Arizona Cardinals fans. I'd say it was 90 to 10% Washington fans. And it was honestly, it was, it was really fresh breath of air. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. I, I had FOMO uh, not being there, and I definitely want to go to the Bills game and several games uh, this season. Uh, but le- let's speak more about this welcome home season and what it means for this fan base here of, you know, for the fact that 24 years, people didn't want to go to games. Now, I will say not all 24 of the years was Dan the Devil, but certainly the last 10. And and for me, it was 2019 is the last time I've been to FedEx Field. So did it just feel like the start of the welcome home season for you yesterday? Absolutely, it did. I was there in 2010 for the opening game against the Cowboys. Um, Arakpo got held at the very last play that Tony threw a touchdown yeah. to Des Bryant. It got called back. We won the game. The atmosphere pregame was like that tailgate back in 2010. And it was just energetic. But the crazy thing was, it wasn't Cowboys fans, too. Because back then, it was like half and half, right? Still, but it was still an electric atmosphere. This was electric, and it was all burgundy and gold. And for somebody like me, I'm 33. I'm not used to the golden years, right? And so the fact that I saw that happen, it was freaking awesome. And I do think that this is a precursor for what we're going to see from here on out. Because the hope under Snyder would always take you away. You got hopeful under Shanahan. You got hopeful under Scott McLuhan. But still, Snyder would bring his ugly face around and rip that all down. Your hope was gone again. This is actual substantial hope that we're seeing in front of us. And this is something you can get into and you can really hit your wagon to and be proud of. Because what I saw yesterday was a team that was hell-bent on winning that football game. And it didn't matter at what cost. And that's the sort of uh, environment that Washington fans can be proud of from a football team. Yep, and, and we're sticking with the positives here, and I'm going to surprise people. And I'm going to say positive was the offensive line, all right? As a team, they rushed for 92 yards. One of my keys to victory was as a team to get to 100, so you're within eight yards of that. Sam Howell, six sacks. I'm only going to credit the offensive line for three of those. I think Sam Howell ran into half those sacks himself. So I, I think there were some positive takeaways from the offensive line play as a whole. I think you're right about that. I will say the offensive line, I was giving him a lot of crap until I saw today. Like the one Sadiq Charles sack, he got tripped up by Brian Robinson. That's not really right. his fault. But right. I will give the credit to the offensive line, the top three, top four uh, graded offensive linemen by PFF on offense was linemen, Sam Cosme, Andrew Wiley, and Leno. So I know that they gave up sacks, but they did a good job. And 
they could do better on the ground. Brian Robinson only averaged 3.1 on the ground on 19 carries with 56 yards. Obviously, he caught that touchdown pass. But the actual running the football, that yards per carry has to improve. Sam Howell, young quarterbacks, they need that play action to be able to get those linebackers off. They're not going to respect it when you're only averaging 3.1 on the ground. But that being said, it was a good start because everyone was claiming this was the weakest point on the uh, entire team. And I thought it did really well given the circumstances. I disrespected the Cardinals' defensive line, but, man, are they really, really good, man. They really came out to play yesterday. I think they deserve, deserve respect for that, along with our offensive line, for battling with those guys throughout the entire game and trying to keep them upright. Because to your point, Sam Howe was holding the ball a little bit too long at times. And he needs to get that ball out quicker, and I'm sure he knows that. And to your point, I would say only three of them were credited to the offensive line. But I think from this point moving forward, that is a good place to start from. Kyle, great stuff, man. I appreciate you sticking around for another segment. Thanks a lot, dude. Of course, brother. Left hand up. Left hand up. Let's go, Commanders. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, I do want to give the Arizona Cardinals a little credit for a second here. I thought that they were going to be garbage offensively. I didn't think they had anyone defensively. Uh, but Jonathan Gannon had the team fired up. They were playing like they felt like they could upset Washington and spoil the homecoming game. Offensively, they didn't look great. I mean, James Conner, 62 yards rushing, 4.4 on the ground. They they started running the ball successfully when they went to the outside, got away from Dron Payne, away from Jonathan Allen. But defensively, I mean, look, everybody was laughing at Jonathan Gannon for saying, I want killers on the team. It looked like he hired killers. I mean, they were hitmen out there the way they were coming after Sam Howell and the commanders, just really hitting hard. They don't have enough playmakers offensively, but I do think we're going to look back at the end of the season and say, man, this Cardinals defense is legit. And uh, there's so many different guys on that defense. You know, local guys too. I I didn't mention that earlier. I wanted to give a a big shout-out to just – Everybody in Richmond, Virginia, because he, check this out. Our buddy Gary Criswell, who you can hear calling games on 910 The Fan alongside Gary, has posted this yesterday on Facebook. Cardinals against the Commanders. There were three 804 Richmond players in the same NFL game. All three saw action with Kayvon Wallace, almost made a huge play picking off Sam Howell, uh, Catrell Clark, and then Greg Dortch. So we saw uh, Clark played at Manchester, Wallace and Dortch played together at Highland Springs. They were all very prominent in the school's state championships. And uh, I don't know that there's ever been an NFL game before this where you had three players from the 804 playing in the same game, much less on the same team. So shout out to Gary Criswell for that great stat. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. It's Danny Ruye, Funny Danny, coming up next on The Fan. Welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. And I want to let all my listeners know, happy hour at Cap Ale just got happier. Monday through Friday from 3 to 6.30. You can get $2 off draft beers, $3 off wine by the glass, and $3 off all liquor drinks, plus $3 off Bavarian pretzels, fries, loaded fries, sweet potato fries, fried pickles, and five-piece wings. $3 off Happy Hour here at Cap Ale Monday through Friday, any of their three Richmond locations, Midlothian, downtown, or join me here in Innsbruck as I'm here every Monday during the NFL season. And joining us right now 
on the Hadeen Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. You hear him on 910 The Fan alongside Grant Paulson. For Grant and Danny, it's Danny Ruye. What's going on, buddy? Capital Ale House. I've done stand-up there a couple different times. Talk to someone in charge there about uh, booking your pal to come back down. Let's do an event. Oh, how about that? Yes, I love that? that. I'm I'm here at Cap Ale all the time. They've got great burgers, great wings, a huge uh, beer selection. Uh, Danny, let me start with this because I know we've disagreed on one player on the roster, and that's Curtis Samuel. What did you think mm-hmm. of Curtis Samuel yesterday? I think that's what the role is going to be. So it's it's nothing but you know it's the it's sort of the soft jab to maybe you know uh, catch somebody off guard maybe catch some runs with it but nothing down the field the whole route tree is not really going to be part of his repertoire this year I don't think it's all going to be close to the line of scrimmage sort of safety valve you know bubble smoke screen reverses line up in the backfield kind of stuff again it, it, you make it sound like I'm some Curtis Samuel despiser right or I think he stinks <laughs> or or whatever it's not the case I think he's been superseded by Jahan Dotson I think Terry McLaurin is a star. I just don't think he's going to be a focal point of this offense. He's going to be in addition to, right? I mean, you're going to see, I think, a lot of those four or five catch for for 37, 38-yard type of games, not really the impact that they signed him to have a couple seasons ago. That happens sometimes, but it's not, you know, obviously the first year where he didn't play very much and Rod wouldn't say surgery like it was the secret word on Pee Wee's Playhouse, that whole thing was bizarre, and that was more on them than it was on Curtis Samuel, who I feel bad for but, you know, they, they found a better player who was taken to gig as the number two wide receiver. It's not how you drew it up, but we're here, and it's a good problem to have. Yeah, and also I felt like the Cardinals were doing everything they could to take Terry McLaurin out of the game early, and Jahan yep. Dotson was covered well. And Samuel's open, you know, five targets, five grabs. You love that, no drops, even though Logan Thomas was dropping anytime they threw it to him. So I, I loved that from Curtis Samuel. I even think they could hand it to him more uh, week two. Danny, who would be your team MVP for the 20-16 to 16 win? Montez Sweat. That's the Montez yep. Sweat game. Now, the, the, the box score is not going to blow you away when you see one-and-a-half sacks and a couple tackles for loss and the like, but if, if you saw it, you know. He dominated that game, really especially in the second half, where he was such an impact force. Blown plays up. Uh, the sack fumble obviously led to their scoring drive. That was him. That He was you know, kind of taking that leap. I predicted, by the way, I called this. Now, I'm wrong about almost everything all the time consistently, and so when I get it right, I like to trumpet it a little bit here. I predicted a Duran Payne-like breakout, put it all together here for Montez Sweat. And through one game, that certainly looks pretty good, but he's always been one of those guys that's close to having that breakout huge season in terms of sack numbers. If you go back and look last year, Adam, the guys with his number of quarterback hits, okay, meaning not sacks, but times that you hit the quarterback don't end up with a sack total. Everybody else was in the 14, 15, 17, 18 type sack range, except for him. He was an outlier. I think he had either eight or nine last season. You replay that with some of those same statistical variances, you could see a jump happening, like happened with John Allen uh, when he went from three or so to eight or nine. You could see something similar happening last year with Deron Payne. I think we're off to a good start in that regard. He's too talented, uh, too good, too, too much of a motor to be held down uh, the way that he has been. It's been bad luck, I think, over, over the handful of years while he hasn't had those gaudy sack numbers. It was his game, really. They, they don't win that game yesterday, really, without those three big guys on the defensive line stepping up, especially in the second half. Yeah, I mean, that defensive line stole the game from the Cardinals in the second half. It's Danny Ruye on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. I'm Adam Epstein. This is AWOD Radio. Danny, could you grade Brian Robinson Jr.'s performance? Uh, see, now, do you, I don't know what kind of schooling you had growing up, my friend, but uh, <laughs> one of the things that, that was great for people like me was grading on a curve. 
right? I okay. didn't have as much ability as a lot of my classmates, right? I was 71st out of 74 guys in my high school class. I went to a really smart prep school <laughs> kid. Uh, you know, so I had a 3-0 and a 1330, and I was considered a dummy uh, around those parts. So for me, it was like you tried real hard. You covered inside the lines, buddy. I just think that's what he is. He is a, you know, the kind of smash mouth old school football that people from the 1980s love, but it's just not for me. I want four, I want four JD McKissicks. I want nothing but scat backs. They don't seem to value it. They want between tackle thumpers. Three, you know, it's basically three yards a pop is not going to get it done in the NFL, but it's what they want. It's what they desire. And I can't stand it, quite frankly. I, no offense to Brian Robinson. All he's ever done is try hard and, you know, you can see how physical he is, but that's what he does. That's an A performance for him, and that's my big problem, right? I want something totally different. I want guys on the edges. They basically said, Antonio Gibson's going to be a pass catching back. Well, I think he caught, what, one pass uh, in, in this ball game, and he was between the tackles, and that's when he fumbled that time. Chris Rodriguez is between the tackles. They don't want to run it the way that I want it run, and so that's, I think, a big sticking point for me. I was hoping Eric Bieniemy would be different, would be a departure for that, but they like that downhill something running game with an offensive line that can't really move people and with some plotting pedestrian thumpers uh, to make sure you're falling forward at just over three yards to carry. Not for me, but it seems like it's for them. Yeah, and it was interesting because the Cardinals had success running around the outside, and I didn't see Washington try that much. What about the linebackers? Jamin Davis, Cody Barton. I didn't see those guys flash, but they showed up with a couple tackles. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you are in this kind of system, in, in this kind of scheme, or playing the NFL – you're going to end up with some tackle numbers as a middle linebacker, especially when they're in that kind of five-two front or that you know the um, the Buffalo nickel type situation. You're going to be a tackler, especially when a guy's breaking through the line of scrimmage, as Connor did on a couple different runs, you know that you mentioned. So you know I, I think they correctly, if you're looking at some some sort of smart analytics and team building, basically said, hey, we're going to devalue this position, which is ironic after they spent a first round pick on one of those guys a couple seasons ago. But again, I digress. We've decided we're not going to overspend and not going to worry about it because we're in sub-packages for such an overall percentage of the time. We've invested in safety. We've invested in corner C. Manuel Forbes, Quan Martin and company. That's where we think our bread is buttered is with this defensive line in the secondary. So these guys are just pedestrian, and that's fine. Make a few tackles here and there. They don't really have playmakers at that spot. That's kind of where they have to skimp a little bit. They could still have a pretty good defense even without those guys being stars. It's Danny Ruye with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. You can hear Grant and Danny right here on 910 The Fan from 3 to 6.30 Monday through Friday. Danny, were you jealous at all of the fans at the game? Because I was. I haven't been to FedEx (laughs) since 2019. I will absolutely make my way back into the building this season for the welcome home season. No, that's a nice tee-up question. No, I wasn't jealous at all. I was comfortable on my couch and uh, I could pause and, and go get some chips and dip in my own drinks and uh, and things like that. I'll never go to that stadium again. New ownership, I'm excited. I'm glad people were there. I'm glad they were happy. I'm glad they had fun. I want them to have fun because if they're having fun, they're interested, and that's good for you and me and our thing. But, no, that stadium was terrible. Um, it, it, the, the, way, the analogy I've used, Adam, is basically I want you to imagine a restaurant, right? And that restaurant, you went and ate a meal that wasn't very good, and then you got the worst food poisoning of your life. If they hang up a new sign that says, under new management, I don't really care. I'm never going back to that place again. I got the single worst case of food poisoning, metaphorically, I've ever had in my life from that god-awful stadium. Everything about it was miserable, and I paid for that experience. I hold grudges. I will never set foot in there voluntarily. Uh, If I have to go there for work, I will go. I'm not going to make, like, a federal case out of it. But, yeah, I will never spend my money, my own energy, my own time. I got too much going on. Couches are too comfortable. Red zone is too good. No, I, and look, I, I was on my couch, and I had the two TVs set up, Red Zone on one TV, Commanders on the other. 
But, you know, in the fourth quarter when we got that stop to win the game, I had goosebumps, and I was jealous that I was not there. Who was your favorite former commander that they showed on TV? Because for me, it was an interesting one. It was Champ Bailey, because I feel like the Champ Bailey-Clinton-Portis trade kind of, like, defined my childhood as a Skins fan. So it was good to see him back at FedEx. Yeah, you were such a young person uh, that your answer would be Champ Bailey, a guy that played here for five <laughs> seasons. The answer is John Riggins, and it's and with all due respect to Champ Bailey, who's a Hall of Famer, who will go in as a Denver Bronco, by the way, uh, the answer is John Riggins. The fact that he was back just showed you symbolically everything is different, everything has changed. The amount that it's not Dan Snyder uh, is something that we all want to bathe in and drink in and, and, and just sort of lounge in for, for an extended period of time. He was you know, as someone who was as vocal and prominently opposed to that regime as anybody out there, right? A guy that felt distanced, disconnected, who despised, openly despised Dan Snyder, that ownership, that organization, the way they were doing things, for him to be welcome, not only welcome back, but to set foot in there and be willing to be an ambassador for this new regime tells you everything about how different it really is. So the answer is is Riggins, both for the career, how great he was, and how much he means to, you know, people over 26, uh, who, who, you know, whoever watched football here in this town, but also because of what it symbolizes for this new group and kind of the turning of the page. It's a victory Monday on 910 The Fan and 1067 The Fan in Washington, D.C. What do you and uh, Grant got going on the show today? We're going to go hard. We're, we're going to break this one down from all angles. We'll, we, want, we want to hear from fans who actually had that experience. I know I was joking around, but the atmosphere was electric. It was awesome. We want to talk to folks that were there and uh, you know, sort of get a sample of that. Obviously, we have our normal segments of game balls and gassers. We'll talk Sam Howe because it wasn't all good, quite frankly. And you, know, you wonder, as you start to play some better opponents, this offense is simply going to have to be a lot better than they were. You can't always count on you know, 75% of the field from a few personal foul penalties and a, and a short field from a turnover. So the offense is going to have to get their butts in gear here. Did we see enough to feel confident in that? But, yeah, plenty coming up, uh, breaking this game down, man. It's, it's fun to talk about wins, to say that. Danny, have you or are you playing pickleball today? I have not, and I will not be playing pickleball today. It's, a, uh, it's actually an interesting week. I know you've now delved into a question. You're not going to care about the answers. You can stop listening if you feel like it. But <laughs> the, tonight I'm actually headed to my mother-in-law's house who she lives just outside of Baltimore, and I am getting up at 4 o'clock tomorrow morning, and I'm taking a 6 a.m. flight to Phoenix uh, to meet up with some of my best friends from growing up. We're doing our annual boys' trip in Phoenix, Arizona, where it's 110 degrees in the sun over the course of the day. But we'll be lounging by the pool, hanging out, having a grand old time. I'm going to try to get the guys to play pickleball out there. But, uh, yeah, so there won't be any for the next 24 hours or so for me. So in Scottsdale, I was just there a year ago, there's a bar called Blonde Bombshells. <laughs> it's sick. you got to check it out. <laughs> That's, uh, now, what I'm doing is smiling and nodding, but out loud I'm going to say no. I'm not going to do that. That's ridiculous. And give me the address. No, I'm not, I just want to know where not to go. Just tell me where I don't need to go. Specifically on the map with a pin. Please text me. Oh, Danny, love having you on the show, man. Have a good show today. Appreciate you, bud. Be well. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105. 1FM. So, so much sports action over the weekend. We'll recap it all next on AWOD's Weekend Recap. Welcome back. Happy Victory Monday, everybody. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, we are available around the country on the Odyssey app. Download it today for free and just search 910 The Fan to hear me Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. on the Odyssey app. You can always pause the show run some errands, rewind, and then pick up 
right where you left off. I'm here at Capital Ale House, as you can join me here every Monday throughout the rest of the NFL season as we're talking some football. We're going to recap Saturday's college football games on University Drive, NFL Sunday on NFL Hits, and, of course, we're celebrating as it is a victory Monday with the Commanders' 20-16 to win over the Cardinals. And I should let all my listeners know, at Cap Ale, happy hour just got happier. Monday through Friday from 3 to 6.30, happy hour includes $2 off draft beers, $3 off wine by the glass, $3 off liquor drinks, and $3 off Bavarian pretzels, Belgian-style fries, loaded fries. I, I go crazy for loaded fries. I bet I could eat three orders of loaded fries uh, just every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That could be my meal. No worries at all. I'll get you know high cholesterol and die, but I do love the loaded fries here at Cap Ale. So did want to mix it up a little bit right now and do my weekend recap. Friday night, big shout-out to Rebecca Wild of Wicker and Wild. Uh, I saw she was posting this. She's doing trivia now. Rebecca's hosting trivia. You know us DJs, us radio hosts, we got to grind, got to have multiple jobs here. I'm always doing Saturday mornings in D.C. And Rebecca is now starting to host trivia night. She did an awesome job at Cabo Fish Taco. Uh, I went with a couple of my buddies. I don't know that we got any questions right, Christopher, but we had a great time. Uh, Cabo Fish Taco does have an excellent uh, quesadilla, and I had, like, so much chips and salsa. I was just filling my belly up with chips and salsa. And uh, so I did want to give a shout-out to Rebecca. That was fun Friday night. And, and I don't know, Christopher, you, have you ever done trivia? Because there's something about trivia that is just it's, – it's electric. I mean, even when you're getting all the questions wrong, you feel like, oh, I just need to drink more. It's a great environment. And so I'm, I'm all in on trivia nights right now. I might have to start going once a week. I'm I'm also all in on trivia right now. I, I've last two weeks I've been and I, I plan to keep going. Oh really? I'm looking. Which for place a good have spot. you been going to? I uh, hit New York Deli and then Buddies. Oh okay. So New York Deli's got. I know um, Three Notch has their own trivia. I think Wednesdays. You know, I actually I went to their trivia this past Wednesday. The trivia guy was out of town. I was like, are you kidding me right now? I'm here for the trivia, but you don't have the trivia guy there. And they were like, you know what? We can't do it today. Uh, So that was fun. Saturday, went to River City Roll. And, of course, they were the host of AWOD's Football Festival in August. And that's become one of my favorite places to go on the weekends. Uh, Got the pizza there. Had a few of my friends from Northern Virginia visiting. Shout out to my buddy Brian Lawrence and Chris Jones. As Chris is celebrating uh, child number two that will be – coming out of his lovely wife in the next few weeks. And um, uh, so it was always fun to catch up with my buddies uh, that I knew from Northern Virginia. And then Sunday, fun day. Chris, I don't know about you. I did not leave my apartment Sunday from 12 noon to when I went to sleep, and it felt great. It was a true lazy Sunday. <laughs> I, I went and visited the parents, but I, it was nothing rest of the yeah. day for me. Yeah, I know. And then we had the crazy rain over the weekend that kind of ruined Saturday. We talked about it. The Vale was having their block, block, party, party. Still a great name uh, for a shindig, uh, but the rain kind of ruined the turnout there. As uh, I stayed inside most of Saturday during the day and watched college football as it felt like my sports Saturday was ruined 
by the rain. Delay after delay after delay. I wanted to watch the Nats delayed. I wanted to watch Virginia Tech delayed. UVA hosting JMU for the first time in 40 years. Delay, delay, delay. And so when we're talking about the best of the weekend, uh, I want to focus in on that UVA-JMU game for a second. We'll break it down later on this week and preview UVA's matchup uh, for this Saturday coming up later on on AWOD Radio. But look, this was a... Virginia-JMU game that had a lot of hype because JMU over the last few years has been a very successful football program, moving up from FCS to FBS football. UVA, they're in year two of the Tony Elliott era, and it has not gone right so so far. They had the terrible tragedy last season, so last week was just kind of getting the guys back onto the field. Um, that was exciting in Nashville, Tennessee. Mike Collins leads the boys out and gets the first carry of the game. But what was interesting was, uh, so Tony Musket gets hurt at the end of that game. We thought that he was going to be able to go this week against JMU. Turns out that injury was too much. They want to hold him out because they thought he couldn't protect himself if he landed on that shoulder. So in comes the highly touted freshman out of Florida, Anthony Calandria, who was spectacular. 20 of 26, QBR of 70, 377 yards passing, uh, 14 yards per throw, two touchdowns, and one interception. Uh, they got a lot of yards through, from the running backs. Kobe Pace, one reception, 75 yards. Boom, he was out. Uh, Paris Jones had a great game on the uh, through the air. Not much running, 10 carries for 11 yards. But throwing the ball, two receptions for 68 yards. That one 60-yard bomb as JMU started strong, then UVA flipped the flipped the game completely and had an 11-point lead going into the fourth quarter, and that's when the game, because of lightning, had a rain delay. And at that point, you saw a lot of UVA fans hit the bars, hit the happy hour. While JMU, they were like, you know what? We're still an hour from Harrisonburg. Why don't we celebrate, right? Even though we're losing, why don't we just start making noise in the crowd? And the crowd that was pro-Dukes, made a difference there as Jordan McLeod led the comeback 20, 20 for 31, 224 yards, and a touchdown as JMU outscores Virginia 12 to nothing in that fourth quarter to win the game 36-35 to in the first contest between these two teams in 40 years. It was Tyson Lawton who led the Dukes with eight carries for 79 yards. Basically a first down every time he touched the ball at 9.9 yards per carry and two touchdowns leading the Dukes to a victory as they're 2-0 and now on the season and UVA falls to 0-2. And then the other delay, this one a five-hour delay. Um, I don't know how people in Blacksburg did it. I mean, they had to go to the stadium, get soaking wet, leave, and then come back five hours later as Purdue, the Boilermakers, who lost week one, got their revenge, defeating the Hokies in Blacksburg 24-17 to in a game in which Grant Wells got hurt late in the game, and they had to turn to the Baylor transfer Chiron Drones, who finished the game just 2-7 of seven for 32 yards, one carry for 13 yards. We'll see. We'll be following this closely throughout the rest of the week. The status of Grant Wells for Virginia Tech moving forward. Uh, they've got a good game coming up Saturday against Rutgers. But uh, when we're talking about the local teams, I have to mention Virginia's next game. I'm so excited for it. It is Virginia 
at Maryland. The Terps are a great program now under Mike Loxley. They're 2-0 on the season after cruising a victory over Towson and Charlotte. They get a, a bit of a tougher task at home hosting UVA in a Big Ten ACC challenge coming up Friday night at 7 p.m. on FS1. Then last thing I wanted to mention on the best of the weekend recap here was it was a lot of fun watching Coco Goff, the 19-year-old, win her first U.S. Open. Not as fun on Sunday, but I did enjoy Novak Djokovic dismantling of Daniil Medvedev in three straight stretch sets to win his 24th major and he is now. He, he was earlier this year, but I think you have to say it again. He's the greatest tennis player of all time, and he's not going to stop. He might have 30 to 35 grand slams by the time he's all said and done. All right, let's get to the NFL here on NFL Hits. Coming up next, I always give you guys on Monday my winners and losers from week one on AWOD Radio.